Hello, hello everyone, Shorty Delight here, drag artist from Edinburgh. Are you all having an alright week? I mean, let me tell you, until this morning, I have been really depressed the last couple of days. When I'm depressed, you know, um, how can I describe this uh, that won't make people feel like shit? Um, I'm not the kind of person that communicates my feelings very well. I'm a typical Aquarius that way that, you know, when I'm not feeling great, I end up just going into myself. And the last couple of days, I've been really not motivated creatively, actually. And it's funny, I remember Rue Jazzle had said that the first week that they felt uninspired during the pandemic to be creative, which is really ironic because I watched... Rujazzo, CG Banks, um, all these other performers from Glasgow drag artists. I would be lying if I could try and remember all their names off the top of my head because it's first thing in the morning. But the central kind of Glasgow queens um, from Mother Tucker did a show, a digital show last night, and it was really good. And it was all Halloween themed. So, um, you know, I normally try to do really like, serious shit in drag, which is great, but also it's sometimes too intense. And a lot of the performances were dynamic and different and it really just gave me some creativity and I love that. So shout out to them for helping me just by being their fabulous selves. Um, it was amazing to have Lola last week. Um, you know, it really uplifted me. But I think afterwards I DJed on the Friday, didn't really have a great weekend, felt creatively uninspired, as I've said, and I spent a couple of days just doing fuck all. And you know what? For someone like me who does a hundred things at once, it sometimes is really needed. And I'm glad that I allowed myself that time to just do nothing because sometimes that actually helps us do quite a lot. Okay, so this week's episode is nothing actually to do with um, drag, which is actually quite exciting for me just because, you know, drag plays such a big role in my life that I would like to also separate and have different artists. So as I said last week, this week we have two special artists who work in different um, fields. I've got today's guest from a sex-positive background. Now, to be perfectly honest, like I don't want to try and tell everyone who this person is with spoiling it, but this is an actress based in Glasgow who's worked between London and Glasgow who also is here to talk about polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now, I won't lie to you, I didn't know much about polycystic ovarian syndrome. However, I learnt quite a lot this week that really just helped me learn so much about this illness um, and ways that other people who menstruate could deal with polycystic ovarian syndrome and things like tips and advice and things like diet, mental well-being. You know, it affects people that menstruate. I think it's one in ten Katrina mentions. And I wouldn't like to spoil too much, so I'll let them kind of, let me pass over to them. Katrina is someone that I've worked with personally and I met when I was, oh God, 2015, so 20. God, it feels like yesterday. 20. And I met them for doing a youth theatre um, in Edinburgh, and we met at a place called Wings on the Royal Mile, which, oh my God, shout out to Wings. If you're if any of the Wings staff are listening, we love you. Cheesy Chengas are my life now that I'm, like, basically a veggie. But I used to love going to Wings all the time, and it was a place that we met, and we bonded over food, which kind of nails our friendship, because... Last night, when I told her I was editing this and putting it together, uh, we were bonding over custard and red velvet cake that I had baked because I decided every Monday I'm going to bake now. So <laughs> um, food kind of was our central um, way we met, but we've bonded. And 
I don't know if people feel this, but sometimes you meet someone and you do, it sounds so cliched and cringy of me, but sometimes you meet somebody and you instantly click and there's just a, an electric mag magnet. I don't know. I just remember me sitting there and seeing her and thinking, for some reason, I'm very drawn to you. And I don't mean like a physical attraction, although she is beautiful. Um, I mean, just a spiritual connection that you would go, I like you and I don't know why. And we have something connecting us. And through the last nine months, really, I've gotten to know Katrina so personally. And although the pandemic's been horrible, one of my friendships that really blossomed was becoming best pals with Katrina. And I thank her for that. So, without further ado, I would like to introduce you to the gorgeous, and I'm probably to say this wrong <laughs> again, and she'll correct me. It is the beautiful and gorgeous Katrina Kalkini. So, this is going to be really fun and interesting for me. Um, we're getting to sort of halfway into this project now, and I'm sitting here with one of my nearest and dearest, and probably one of three Leo wives that I have, the gorgeous and amazing artist from Glasgow, Katrina Kincini. Hello, hello. It's so lovely to see you. This is excellent. I'm here for it. Oh, not at all. I take it. Let me just clarify. I'm pronouncing that right. Katrina Kincini. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, a mess, to be honest. Um, my whole life, it's like being uh, pronounced strong. Uh, so my name is Katrina Kalkini. Right. I apologise. Katrina Calcini. Calcini. It's, Calcini. It's one of those, one of those Italian romantic names. No, my mum's forever like pronouncing it and like spelling it because it's her it's her maiden name. So I just yeah. thought, you know, do it, do it for my mama and, and change it up and, and that'll be my name and stuff. Because a lot of people that are listening to this might actually sort of know who you are when we start talking about this, that you're Katrina Smith that I mentioned a few weeks ago. So mm-hmm. for me saying your name now, I'm like, oh, but you've recently changed your artist name, haven't you? Yes, yes, I have. Um, just like I think with like lockdown, you know, um, having a lot of time to think things through, I'd sort of been feeling that because um, I was operating under the company Mini Schmidt Productions and that's where I do most of my events through. And I was doing that as well under the umbrella of sort of the artist work I was doing and, uh, you know, calling yourself Mini Schmidt Productions as an artist, you know, that doesn't, doesn't really click does it so I thought I'd separate the two so as an artist I'm Catriona Calcini and then as an event manager that's the Mini Schmidt Productions side so just sort of like clarifying it and like making my stamp and stuff. I think that's brilliant actually but I've always loved that that name you give your kind of production and your events I love the Mini Schmidt Productions however it's good I think sometimes to separate when you're a producer and when you're an artist because a lot of people obviously work and the arts will pursue various roles. Do you know what I mean? Like I did direct and write and act and drag. And <laughs> at one point I've produced events and kind of been like, maybe not for me, but I've tried. And, and I yeah. think it's good to separate sometimes. And mm-hmm. um, definitely agree with that. So before we kind of just start, obviously every week I say to people, or offer your artist statement. And I feel like you've kind of already done that in a way. However, it would be nice to just kind of hear who you are, where you're from and what you do. So um, uh, my name is Kat, uh, that's what my friends call me. Um, and I think I would consider myself a multimedia artist. Um, I'm based in Glasgow. Um, I am a sex positive advocate and very excitingly just became an editor 
of Sex Positive magazine, uh, which I'm really excited about. And um, I run events through Mini Schmidt Productions. So I, I like to think of myself as a sort of creative vagabond. Um, if I'm interested in it, I'll try it. And um, if I like it, I'll continue with it. You know, why not try it? Variety is the spice of life and all that. So I love that. That to me is like, you know, I, like, I'm very much like that. You know me, obviously, personally. And <laughs> working with me that... Yeah. Uh, you know, I get one, I get bored very easily, so I love taking on 100 projects to keep me stimulated. But also, um, I am like who sex positive, and I like sort of being this person that likes to try everything at least once. You know, it's like Samantha Jones says, I'm a trisexual, I try anything once. <laughs> oh, she's such an icon. <laughs> but that to me is genuinely what you do, and I love that. So let's kind of just dive right into this, right? Let's do what, it. Where did you grow up, study, and work? and live before you pursued your chosen career. So this is the insight into who Kat was growing up. Yeah, so um, I am originally from the East Coast in Edinburgh, uh, the lovely capital city of Scotland, that is. Um, and I grew up, um, yeah, just uh, went to school, you know, your standard thing. Um, I was always really into performing. Um, there's a really funny story of uh, when I was four and um, I was in an nativity play and I was one of the angels. And uh, this is on VCR in, in the depths of the house somewhere. Um, there was this boy uh, beside me and he was singing really off key. So I kept trying to put my hand over his mouth to, to stop because <laughs> apparently it, it wasn't to my taste. And then I kept putting it over and he kept, he kept um, chucking my hand away. And then apparently I just ended up punching him and we had to get dragged off the stage. So um, I guess that's always been making a statement uh, since I was wee. Um, I went to school, um, I then went to college and did uh, acting and performance um, and then I was lucky enough to get into drama school uh, and went down to London when I was 17 which was crazy exciting and very expensive um, and yeah I, I feel like my life has just sort of like uh, started from there. Um, I did, did my three years of acting, I got my my wonderful acting degree and then I did acting for a wee bit and you know it was it was good and, and I do still enjoy performing but maybe not so much in the commercial sense Um I, I was getting quite sort of disheartened I feel like you know it's a very cutthroat industry to be in and especially as a woman you know uh, you know the, the magnifying glass of uh, image looks and weight specifically I think you know plays like a really big role into it and I just think it wasn't necessarily for me um, I've struggled with eating disorders in the past and um, I, I felt like being in that industry like 100% of the time was quite triggering in a lot of ways and you know I was feeling a bit disheartened and stuff and I was thinking you know well I, I do want to be a creative what what else could I do and I'd, I'd written all these like plays and stuff um usually about breaking up with ex-boyfriends because that apparently is my jam. So that's obviously something we have in common, Jordy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that wee face of like, oh, she caught me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, um, and then I just thought, oh, fuck it, I'll, I'll put one on and, and see what happens. And um, it, it, it was really well received and it was really exciting. And I think, you know, the process of, um, you know, it was, it was my, it was my baby. It was my script. Um, it was, it was my work and love, you know, whereas before I felt, you know, I was jumping through hoops and trying to be this bubbly persona that I wasn't just so, like, desperate to find a job. And I think, you know, people can really sense that if, if you're not confident in yourself, you know, it, it does, 
it, you know, it's that aura around you, isn't it? Like people just, they can, they can see it. And I think having the pride of going, this was mine, I made this. And it, it just became infectious from there. And I ended up doing a seven day festival after that, because, you know, that's, that's the normal jump <laughs> that we do, apparently. Um, I think maybe slightly over ambitious, but um, I'm very proud that I did it. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. And then, yeah, here we are. <laughs> That's brilliant. You know, it's such a reality check, right? Because I remember thinking of myself this year when I was dating someone who obviously you know about in July, but I had spoken to them about their friend who'd got an agent interview. And it wasn't, uh, um, you know, they hadn't got the agent. They had a sort of, I don't really want to call it an interview, but they were meeting with them to kind of get to know the person. I won't name the agent because... I'm just not here to make this a cancel culture podcast right no, now. No, no. Maybe in a few months, but right now, no. <laughs> and I just remember him telling me that how unfortunate it was that the, and it was women, that was what really surprised me. A woman agent had said to this young uh, woman, Oh, you're much uh, bigger than your headshot. And the girl had said, Oh, what do you mean bigger? Like, because she's really small and height, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And she went, oh, no, you're not the size you are in your headshot. Your face looks skinnier than that. Have you put weight on yeah. since you sent me this email? And I remember thinking to myself, one, I can't believe in a white patriarchal society a woman would say that to another woman. And I actually also couldn't believe that we are still fixating on people's size in this art culture. But do you know what? It was a reality check. And I kind of went... I'm not glad it's happened, but I'm glad I know about it. And you saying this about acting, unfortunately, that it's very easy to box performers for what they're good at. You know, I spent my whole life getting told, oh, you look very frail and ill, so you should always play the sort of insecure, ill characters in shows or or roles that you go for in adverts, or you look very young, so you should play the naive innocent, which obviously anyone knowing me knows I am not naive or innocent, <laughs> as Britney Spears, as Britney Spears once said, I am not that innocent. But genuinely, like that's what we unfortunately deal with from agents. And I'm sorry you've obviously done that in the past, but again, that is why we're kind of in our jobs doing this to make sure that doesn't happen. Exactly. I think I think it's important about you know setting a, a precedent about. Um, you know, putting out what you want to see reflect in the industry. And I think, um, I'd, I'd like to think that I I do that in my work. And I think, you know, uh, like working with yourself, it's really exciting to see that, you know, um, we are starting to make those changes. I think it is really important because, I mean, what we've seen with like the Harvey Weinstein, the industry as it is, it, it's, not, it's not functioning. And, you know, we need to change that. And I think we are starting to make the steps and, you know, looking at sort of like, body shaming and all that you know we're starting to say you know like you can't fat shame people anymore this like fat phobia needs to stop and stuff and I think we are we are slowly making the steps forward where you know you won't be judged for like your weight and your looks and put in a box for you know what you are on a headshot yeah I, don't totally. know. I remember that like breakthrough moment I had obviously you know, although it's hard when I did waste the juice last January and people had said to me wow when I came out at the end of the show revealing I'd been sexually assaulted at 17 and then went on the BBC Nine and talked about it as a drag artist and it was quite a, I wouldn't like to say a, I had been a catalyst but in a way you'd never seen a drag artist on television talk about being like raped, like a horrible mm-hmm. thing to go through but again it's like you say you know someone like the Rose McGowan 
with the this um, Me Too campaign, these things have to happen to make a shift and a change. Mm-hmm. Before people yeah. obviously jump because they might not know where you say went to London, but obviously London is kind of the creme de la creme for in drama schools. <laughs> um, anyone that loves Prime Minister Brody will get that reference. But <laughs> where was it you studied in Edinburgh and in London, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. Um, so I went to Telford and did my HNC in acting and performance, um, which was really fun. Um, I left school a year early, um, so managed to uh, become become a mini adult a wee bit quicker, mm. uh, which was which was fun and exciting. And you know, like being in college, that's always you know a cool a cool thing to do. Um, and then for drama school, I went to Italia Conti Academy. Um, which was yeah, it was it was uh, three years. I think you know the the typical uni experience um, where it's uh, not so much like um, uh, like contact hours. You know, um, I had friends in first year that were doing like eight years, uh, eight hours. Sorry, of like contact in university, and I was doing fifty hours a week with homework, and I had a job as like the student cleaner. Um, and trying to go to yoga and stuff like it, it was very full on. Um, I don't know if I could do that now, but I, I guess that in itself, you know, it sets you up for well, if if you if you want to do this, it's not going to be easy. You need and to you try. Have, you will end up juggling twenty million things at once, and yeah. you will be at breaking point. But I think also we're starting to realise the importance of productivity doesn't equal worth. You need to take care of yourself. And you need to be <clears throat> mentally happy and mentally well at the at the best of times to to be able to to function because that's the most important thing. You are the most important thing in your craft. Yeah, it's like your body is um, is it that Baz Luhrmann quote? It's like enjoy your body, use it well. It's the greatest instrument you'll ever own. From everyone needs to wear sunscreen, but it's such a true thing that. You know, an artist's body is their canvas in a way. If they're a movement specialist mm. or an actor or even drag, you know, I can't, if I don't take care of my fucking skin, <laughs> my makeup might be terrible. <laughs> but these are things that you have to, you have to set aside the time to look after mm-hmm. yourself. And I love that, you know, drama schools and even my course when I was at uni did set me up for that, you know, 50 hour a week, intense from 9am on your feet, jumping out of the place. But I often did just feel like, there was never, and it sounds maybe a bit whimsical and air-airy-fairy of me to say this, but there never felt like a, a module that was actually on self-care and mental well-being that really, I think, arts degrees would benefit from. Need. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I, think, I think in Central, now I'm not sure if this was ever true or like a wee wives' tale because you do get many of those, but I was told that in Central, um, every... Uh, artist was given a sort of like a, a wee session of therapy every wow. every couple of weeks or something now um someone is more than welcome to tell me I'm talking absolute shite but that's what I was told but I do I do think it's important because I think you know what what drama school was for us it was the first year um you're sort of learning about who you are and I think before going into drama school I had a very different perception of who I was as a person and I think drama school maybe revealed aspects of myself that I wasn't maybe ready for you know I was very young going yeah. into drama school um I'm, I'm obviously like I, you know I, I don't want to be ignorant I, I want to know who I am but um I, I, sometimes it felt like it was therapy um but without the resolution you know like there was a lot of trauma brought up and then 
they were like, okay, that's great. And lesson finished. And you're like, oh, oh, I have all these questions and what am I going to do with it? You know, it's... Yeah, I think the problem you've got in the arts especially is you've got a Mm. lot of people that want to help you realise your potential. And then you've got people that will push your story onto things you might not want to talk about and unearth because mm. yeah it makes great content and a great show but it also isn't them that has to live with that 24 7 and this this to me is the sort of thing that people really need to be aware of when they do this job no completely and i don't think that gets spoken enough you know like um you know when you're growing up you're like oh when you be an actor <laughs> you know you know as a child i would have never even like fathomed what what that entails and I'm not I'm not slagging off the acting industry um, no, not I think I think actors are wonderful people extremely thick skin and I think it's incredible and when when you hit that performance it is so beautiful to watch I think it's really enthralling um I think just for myself like I'm, I'm not I'm not out of performing you know I, I do enjoy it but just not in that sense but I, I still have many friends uh, that I went to drama school with and and seeing them progress, it's it's really exciting and, and wonderful, to be honest. Yeah, I think that is, for me, the thing that a lot of my friends ended up going into teaching and lecturing and various topics. In fact, I nearly once was going to be a drama or primary teacher and I kind of went, not for oh, me. Just because I obviously, I'm the future, maybe a lecturer, but right now I'm like, no. And obviously mine was always health-related issues. But what I will say, I always have really kind of discussed discursive conversations with them is about the impact that lecturers and teachers and I wrote a tweet already about it actually because I used to get told by lecturers I ever spoke um out of place that I was you know being a bit dim and a bit whimsical at things and I'd get really pissed off because I'd be like don't talk down to me because I don't agree with you it's not appropriate Mm -hmm. and I often think people sometimes don't anticipate that when you're working with young people you have to be mindful of the impact your words have it's like words can hurt but also just yeah. a long impact. Like when I started doing singing, everyone had mm-hmm. said to me, why have you not done this sooner? And I was like, because I didn't have a good singing teacher in school that made me feel like I was never good enough. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm glad that we've kind of touched on that conversation because that's a hard thing to talk about. Um, so another question really, like what kind of, I know obviously you did the activity and stuff growing up, but what really <laughs> made you kind of go, I want to do acting school. You know, me and Law, uh, Dean Gummer last week had said, mm-hmm. oh, you know, um, we were just fear kids because of family upbringing and sort of community. But what actually kind of was your, can you maybe pick a moment that you kind of knew, I want to do this actually? Um, it's, it's quite difficult because I was, I was thinking about this um, with regards to doing this podcast today. And I think it just sort of like um, steamrolled, to be honest. Like my mum, my mum, uh, sent me to drama classes when I was wee just to build my confidence mm-hmm. um, and then I just started doing like uh, school plays and um, when I moved to school I was lucky enough to uh, get it on a drama scholarship and wow. um, so I'd done I, I was like Joseph in in the school before and I think you know like, being, <laughs> a main, be, being a main part I think you know the ego maybe went to my head and I was like yeah yeah I can do this um, so, <laughs> Was was lucky enough in my multicoloured technical dream coat to um, to get on a drama scholarship uh, to my other school, and then I think um, I just always loved like reading plays. Like I was, a, I am an only child, and um, 
uh, my parents would always buy me like plays and you know, like I'd, I'd, I'd read all the different parts and you like go through it and then pick another character and stuff. And, you know, as, um, as drama got more serious, like the older that you get, because I was quite lucky that my school was very sort of like drama focused in mm. my secondary school. Um, it, it just sort of became this thing of, I love this. And I have lots of other interests. Like before I found out I got into drama school, um, I hadn't, you know, really enjoyed my time at Telford because of a not so great lecture that made me think maybe I shouldn't be doing this. So I was all set to go to Berlin and study Egyptian archaeology. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what a jump. <laughs> I would have been so less broke in Berlin, but whatever. Um, but just because that was that was another interest that I went, I'm interested in that. I'll give that a try. And I think that's just sort of like the mantra for my life, it, it appears to be. And then I found it last minute that I got into drama school because um, I'd been put on the waiting list for Italia Conte. And then like uh, in July, it was like, oh, you're in. And I was like, oh, well, I guess we'll be going to Berlin then. I just remember like screaming at the top of my lungs with my mum. We were just like jumping on my bed and stuff. And was, that was nice. yeah. So that's lovely. Do you know what? Because sometimes, like, I don't know, you know, I think because I'm now such a spiritual green voting ear, ear sign loving my life, right? But I genuinely do think sometimes things do fall into place. So that I remember in first year, my drama degree I'd had an acting lecture who really made me hate the course, who luckily I didn't have in second and third year, so I ended up staying. But there was at one point that I had a meeting about swapping to psychology and I wanted to become like, a psychologist all of a sudden because I was like well I love people and how they act just not maybe performing so I do get that you know you kind of just went well let's kind of go with this and I, I admire that because I'm very control freak sometimes and I'm loving that I'm getting very like let's see what happens you know the vibes. Yeah, I think also I'm um, asking um 17 18 year olds you know um what they want to do for potentially the rest of their lives you know that's a that's a big ask and you know especially nowadays with university being so expensive and inaccessible to many people yeah. you know I, I knew so many people that halfway through the course was like I don't want to do this I thought I did it at school but now you know moving away from home and being like-minded people I realized that this isn't what I want to do but you know I've spent x amount of money and I won't be able to afford another course I'm, yeah. I'm gonna have to see this through and unfortunately with a degree that it's sometimes quite hard to sort of you know like you get quite like open-ended degrees where there's like lots of possibilities but the more sort of focused ones if it's something completely different that you want to do like there there will always be a way but it does just make it so harder and um it's quite frustrating because uh, my stepsister she lives in Copenhagen and um her partner is is um Danish and they get paid to go to university so wow yeah, so the government pays him, and I think he's done many courses. I think he's still sort of at uni, but he's also a chef on the side. So he's just like taking his time because there's no rush, and he's just enjoying his learning. Because I think you know that you know when when the government want you to be educated, yeah. and the government take care of you, you know you can wow. you can see the benefits of it. And yeah, yeah I, I I just wish we had a different government. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I think the rage and socialists oh, and us are totally feeling that. And you know what? Now, once we've done this podcast episode, I'll like get us flights for Copenhagen and I'll just rent my flat out and we can go and study and get paid to be book nerds. We love that, you know. So let's go back to what you've kind of been doing before the pandemic. So it's quite funny to get a fight from you. I was saying, what were we doing before the pandemic? Because me and you were starting a night together. But 
kind of just if you wouldn't mind talking about some of your projects because obviously you've spoken about how you're a sex positive facilitator you know and um, mm. I'd really like to ask two questions so let's do them in a sort of if you could talk about the love fest Duran because that was an amazing thing that I absolutely love and wish that unfortunately I was booked but then took ill and couldn't perform at it but if you could share with us about the love fest and then we'll talk about the sex positive speed date night yeah sure um so love fest um was um was the sort of snowball effect from um, directing that play uh, that I was speaking about earlier. And so um, I basically, when I was directing it, um, I was just thinking about love and I was, you know, like seeing like couples when I was like walking home from work and like really like interesting sort of like snapshots and and um, seeing like old couples and wanting to write um, like a film or like a play about it. And then I just kept getting all these wee uh, sort of like nuggets of inspiration that I just thought, why not just put it all on? Um, yeah. So it ended up, yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, like um, we could use a bit of positivity. And uh, obviously uh, now, especially in 2020, we could definitely use a uh, bucket loads of it. Um, but but back then, you know, it was something of love is universal. You know, no matter how different we are in terms of something else, we're always going to be unified by our emotions. And love is such a positive one. And looking at the good, the bad, and everything in between. So it was really exciting. Um, I was able to have over 70 performers. Um, it was free. So uh, we just wow. asked for donations for various charities for uh, every night. Um, and it was in a different area of London to uh, maximise sort of um, the outwith reach of who we who would want to come and who would be able to come. So, you know, west, north, east, south, central. It was it was nuts. Uh, I did the social media. I wrote, directed, curated. Um, I commissioned songs, animations. Um, I think that will always be my sort of like case to resistance. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I think I proved to myself that you know, if you put your mind to it, you you can do it. And you know, it definitely didn't run as smoothly as I expected it to. But I think you know, when you're working on a project that size and it's your first time, it's quite hard to imagine it. But you know. It was also your first ever thing, though. I mean, come on. Like, this was a yeah. thing with you and all those Leos that you are, like, your worst <laughs> own critic. Do you know what I mean? But oh, like, to put together a fest like that with, like, yeah. next to null experience, apart from obviously yeah. being an artist, but not as a producer, not the same thing. I think that's incredible. And, of course, like, you know, you're a bit like me in that sense, I guess, that, you know, we're quite, you know, attentive. We like things to go smoothly and, you know, change can stress us out a little bit. But we just ride the storm like everyone does in life, I guess. But that festival is, you know, it's like it's a testament to how well it's it's your baby. It's like Wasted Youth was my baby. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And ever since I did Wasted Youth, like, and the same with you, we love this that that's your thing. And ever since you've kind of started going up, and I love that. I, mm. Ironically, I love that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think it was like it was an amazing like uh, building block and the opportunities that I've come from it and the people that I've got to meet and reconnect with including yourself has yeah. been wonderful from it um, so I guess now to move on to your second question the sex positive speed dating um, which is where we got to properly work together again yeah. which was lovely <laughs> oh, it, was, it, was, it was so great and God that was a night and a half <laughs> and a morning <laughs> after and an afternoon after <laughs> honestly I, I still dream about those Bloody Marys they were so wonderful oh, God, that's only about was Bloody Marys <laughs> Triggered by the bloody <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe get a bloody knee tomorrow. Screw it. 
more holiday, why not? Why not? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Lock, lockdown vibes forever. So, as you were saying, sorry, yeah? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm so bad for just, like, waffling on and being like, and here's something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the Sex Positive Speed Dating Night was a night that is um, created by Sex Positive, which is Sex Positive magazine that I'm now an editor for. They very kindly gave me their blessing to bring it up to Scotland because I think, you know, London is such a great sex positive hub like anything you can think of it's available at your fingertips and I was so blessed to uh, stumble onto that and you know um, receive the education that I did um, for it so to come up and now put on events in Glasgow and Edinburgh not that I don't think uh, Scotland is not sex positive I just think that we could use more of it I mean it's, yeah. it's never it's never a bad thing to have more sex positive events no it so was what, like when you came to me I obviously was like oh, there's not a speed dating night in the queer community. So that's mm-hmm. something we need just when you are talking about how it is in London and in Scotland there's not, and I agree with you completely. And I think I think that's that's like the, the really nice factor of it. So the speed dating, for anyone who doesn't know about it, um, it's non-gendered seating, so it's not males and females and the females run around and, you know, it's that weird sort of... It's, it's like when you talk to someone on Tinder, hey, how are you? What do you do? Oh, you're an actor. Have I seen you in anything? Oh, you're a teacher. That must be so rewarding. You know, it, it just gets very stale after, you know, two goals. Yeah. So with this non-gendered seating, um, so it allows anyone and everyone to come. It's totally inclusive. Um, we had um, a list of questions uh, that we get to ask, uh, which were asked by the wonderful Jordy. That I'm mm-hmm. speaking with, and uh, we had performances from the incredible Amy Lamore. It's such an absolute joy to watch her perform. I just it was, thought. yeah, and do you know what? It was so <laughs> funny because honestly, at this night, we, you know, I think, because oh, I remember having the kind of at the break say to people, this isn't a drag show, because a lot of people were kind of maybe thinking this was all about the drag and less about the dating. And I was like, this isn't a drag mm-hmm. show, this is a speed date night where a drag performance yeah, with the kind of entertainment. Up. Yeah. And I remember then they kind of got it and then they started taking it. It's like anything like though people are awkward, you know, once you lay down mm-hmm. the ground rules, people start taking it serious. And me being the fucking mother of the pack typically, but yeah. genuinely and I it's it was amazing, I think, for it to break up the awkwardness having Amy perform. And before mm-hmm. just actually because that's just jogged to be question, can you just describe what is there not a story about Amy performing at your love fest that's like really funny that you tell people? Oh, uh, so <laughs> Amy was an absolute trooper. Um, so on the Thursday night we had uh, it was called Cabal Love, um, uh, which uh, was like a cabaret night. Um, it was LGBTQI plus focused. Um, <coughs> so we had a, a wonderful list of performers, including the wonderful Amy, who I managed to rescue from a McDonald's the night before um, because she didn't have a phone, which was really stressful, but we got, we got her in one piece. So we're doing the Kavilov night. It's been a riot and uh, Amy is closing and um, unfortunately the sound cut out. The music just stopped and we're all a bit like, oh shit. But luckily <laughs> um, my friend Malby, uh, who had been, who'd been chatting to Amy most of the night, um, ended up standing up and singing the song for Amy and ended up performing with Amy and 
everyone in the audience started singing the song and it was great it was it was wonderful to watch and uh, we had a wonderful photographer uh, Robert uh, capture these you know like natural candid images of them just laughing together on stage and it was it was really nice it was those wee pockets we actually had a couple that met at the love fest and they're now married oh <laughs> so that, I did my job <laughs> that is lovely you know what's funny it's as a spoiler alert for anyone that's not seen Judy right but Judy the movie about Judy Garden's life for Renee Zellweger oh. it actually has an, a, an exact scene like that that she can't sing because she just has a, a bit of an episode mentally. And the audience starts singing for her. And they finish the concert for her because she can't do it. And I'm here in the cinema in buckets and stickers. <laughs> I am because I'm like, I mean, I wouldn't compare to Mean Girls, but okay. <laughs> and, and it's like, oh yeah, that happens in Mean Girls. <laughs> oh God. Well, yeah, and it does. And that's the thing that, uh, you know, hearing that happen, I guess that kind of actually really does put a picture on a love fest that there was love in the room that everyone went, oh, well, that's okay. Let's help each other and support each other. And we just need more of that. So when we go back to the speed dating night, uh, and sorry to take you on a tangent, but it just came to me and I went, I need to ask that question. Uh, <laughs> how do you think the speed dating night, regardless of our hangover, how do you think it actually went? Because I I was really impressed with how it went. I I was I was excited, to be honest. You know, it's, it's the first... It's the first ever event in Scotland where we had the speed dating night. Um, you know, there's always going to be a couple of teething problems, but that's it, isn't it? You put one on, you learn from it, it gets a bit better every time, and then, you know, you are going to have the slickest event ever. I think mm-hmm. I think it was a really nice turnout. I can imagine it being extremely daunting to attend um, the sort of first-of-its-kind event like this, um, you know, for uh, a number of reasons, Um and I think that's what we really want to focus on, you know, making this um, as welcoming and uh, comforting as possible. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I think, um, you know, yourself and Amy were absolute superstars. And I think people had a lot of fun. Once again, it was just, it was an event for people to in- enjoy themselves. And I think that's, you know, so important. And I think to be able to offer... Uh, something where you know like speed dating has you know in the past been very heteronormative you know if we can offer it to people who haven't been allowed to partake in it before I think you know that's really important and it needs to be done again. I do remember at the end of it someone had told me I can't remember but it was a woman had said to me that they'd exchanged numbers with someone and they were going on a proper date after it and I remember thinking to myself that's lovely and that kind of is just the same sort of situation you had with them getting married I mean these are the sort of things that, yeah, everyone's awkward and dating's difficult. And I mean, I am the most confident person at times, but I also get absolutely shit scared going on a date with someone. So oh, human. Dear. it's human. And yeah. do you know what? Usually yeah. it actually means that if you're that nervous, you really like someone and you want to like them. So Oh, I was just, I was just gonna say also, um there's less pressure on actual like dating we're also about friendships as well just for anyone that's listening that's like oh i'd I'd like to attend this when when we bring it back in i assume Mm -hmm. 2021 probably um you know it you don't need to come if 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 you're not sort of looking to date someone you don't have to date someone it's just uh, a chance to meet more people and if you do find someone that you're attracted to that's great but it's not a pressure on that which i think is also a nice added extra for it Totally, totally agree with you. Um, so, uh, 
asking this question because the podcast is getting to nearly six guests at this point. So there's not really much question. How has the pandemic affected your work? Because I think it's getting to that point now that anyone <laughs> realising the point of this podcast. However, um, I obviously am aware that you still have an agent for acting and you're still doing your projects online and all these sort of things. What I was going to ask you next was um, to kind of offer some tips and advice how you've been coping mentally because obviously it, mm. it comes part and parcel really mental health is everyday health but mm. you know and mm. you're quite like me and you like to keep busy and yeah. I don't know if you found it this way but I found that when the 12 weeks happened I was like holy shit I am really not coping but haven't got my distractions do you know what I mean and just any kind of bits of advice or any things that are like mindfulness you would suggest to people would be lovely um I I would say from a personal level, um, uh, having a routine is good. I think um, you know it's it's always good to have a couple of duvet days, but you know sometimes it's quite easy to sort of slip that duvet day into a duvet week. And for me, um, I noticed that um, Tom notices it too. Who's my partner? It's quite funny. Um, if I if I spend too much time in bed, I get sad. Um, so. I need to get out of bed. So I set alarms. Um, I think uh, eating well has been uh, really helpful as well. You know, when your your body's a temple and that doesn't necessarily have to be a salad and a green smoothie. I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. in what in whatever way you need to do to look after your body, um, I think exercise has been really helpful. But I think um, talking talking to friends, I think... You know, I would say you were a very big lifeline oh, uh, during during the lockdown. You know, I think uh, you know, as two artists, um, basically trying to trying to figure out life in lockdown, it was it was really nice to to get to know you in in that sense. And I think I can because at one point we FaceTimed like every night. Yeah, I think at one it point was, it was every night for about three hours. Getting there was one night that we got pissed on FaceTime because. Yeah, you know, because obviously back then I was writing the Twelve Lovers show that I will eventually oh, yeah. back. So I was phoning you constantly, sending you excerpts, getting advice. And this is literally feels like that was like ages ago because it was literally March. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. And then I was like saying to you, "Oh my God, this arsehole texts me. This one's <laughs> four in the morning. And this one wants to meet you during lockdown." You're like, "Jesus Christ, it's been like two hours." <laughs> I, would, I, I did struggle to keep up with the names. I kept being like, so is this Mark? And you're like, no, that's X. And I was like, oh, shit, right, sorry. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's just the fun, isn't it? But I think also um, bouncing ideas off other creatives is a really great way because it gives you a chance to sort of talk about your craft and, you know, talk about things that make you passionate. Um, yeah. I, I think I think that's really important. Um, I, also, I also went to therapy. I, I made the, the move to... Uh, start therapy and also um, look at um, my uh, polycystic ovary syndrome uh, mm-hmm. properly, um, which has been um, a, a now continuous process since then. And I think those two things have uh, made like a really sort of like an, a nice positive shift and I think has set a, a better outlook for the pandemic. Um, and I think that's what the pandemic has given us in a weird, horrible roundabout way. It gave us the, the space and the rest and the time that we needed from this capitalist structure because it is so hard. It's impossible to, to keep going the way that we were. Um, obviously, you know, we're all itching 
for some sense of normality and it is so hard right now but um i think for those who were able and privileged enough to have that rest you know it was something that i think we we should all have anyway but i think it was a big eye opener you know so could you tell me more about um since you've talked about it because this was one of the main not main reasons i guess that's probably the wrong way of phrasing it but this was a, a really good reason for me to get you involved on this was talking about your experiences of polycystic ovarian syndrome and what that is because it's quite common and can affect a lot of people that menstruate so if you wouldn't mind sharing and that would be great so i was diagnosed with uh, polycystic ovary syndrome um about four years ago now um basically uh, stopped having a period for about a year um so I spent a lot of money on pregnancy tests as well, which uh, God, wasn't right. fun. You know, just the cost of, uh, you know, buying a pregnancy test and like the, the morning after, uh, that, well, that's that's a different tangent. Yeah, but you know what? Very, like, I don't very want, strongly about that too. I won't interrupt though too much. And obviously, because this is something out of my detriment because I don't have a clue about um, any of this, um, really, because I don't mention it. But what I will say is that anxiety you must have had we're constantly having a pregnancy scare someone that wasn't planning on having children back then, you know, like that must have been a lot to deal with too. So I'm thankful mm-hmm. that you kind of realised what was going on. Yeah, I was I was very lucky. Um I, I went to the doctors, um they uh took some blood, um, but I, I did actually have a bit of a, a not a not very nice experience. Um I they had to do a don't know if this is the right word. Um, I'm going to say a sonogram. Um, my um, medical uh, dictionary is absolutely terrible. But they basically um, insert uh, sort of like a camera, if you would, uh, oh, up, up up there and um, to, to see if you have ovarian cysts and to, to check, you know, sort of what's going on up there. Um, and I'd never had a procedure like this before. I, I'm very lucky for that. Um, but, you know, like it is a very like personal procedure and, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd gone by myself I hadn't really spoken to anyone about this um and you know sort of like putting my trousers back on just being like oh um like do you know like um if it what 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 it could be exactly and the woman didn't even look at me typing away on her computer went it's probably polycystic ovary syndrome and I went oh, oh right. okay what's that um and she was, she I think she like handed me some flyer, but you know that wasn't the official diagnosis. Um, I then got a letter after Christmas. This was also Christmas time, which is like a really shitty time for it. Oh my god! Right, any, okay. any of that, <clears throat> but you know it was just that thing. Like I understand that you know that's her job, and she does this all the time. But I think the you know obviously you have to do your job correctly. But I think uh, the importance of uh, that nurture and care that should come with the job. Um, you know that was definitely lost and um, I never really thought about having children but I think now polycystic ovary syndrome uh, doesn't automatically mean that you can't have children that that's what I thought for a long time because because no one really told me about it I think the problem is is that um, that no one really tells you much about it Um, so I got my official diagnosis um, after Christmas, I was told to come to the doctors. They told me that I had polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, they put me on the pill to regulate my cycle, um, which I think um, the pill is prescribed as a sort of um, uh, as an answer to, to many sort of menstruation issues because um, it, it gives you a cycle, but um, you're not actually menstruating on the pill. It's a fake. It's a it's a fake period essentially. So mm-hmm. you, it, it's sort of that thing of it's it's putting a, a plaster 
on on a wound, but it's not actually like fixing it. You know, it's it, it's 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 regulating it, and um, you know, um, some people with polycystic ovary syndrome can have uh, very sort of severe um, pains when they when they do get their period. Um, so I, I think like um, the best way to describe polycystic ovary syndrome is um, it can affect um, people in a lot of different ways. Um, many side effects are um, uh, extremely uh, easy weight gains. Um, uh, you can have acne, you can have um, facial hair um, and, and, and hair all over, but you can also have balding. It's essentially you're having too much testosterone in your body and not mm -hmm. enough estrogen. Um, so it means that um, you can have very irregular periods or like myself, um, not have any periods. And um, while it's not impossible to have children um, and... I have I have read many stories about you know people being told that they couldn't have kids with polycystic ovary syndrome and then actually having you know like two lovely healthy babies and I think that's wonderful yeah. but it can it can be very difficult and I think you know I'd never considered having children before and then you know being told that uh, I might not have that choice I think I think that was the sort of very uh, like groundbreaking moment for me and um also hard, um, yeah um like um I think it was also realizing that like my mum might not get to be like a grandma mm -hmm. um which was uh you know quite sort of like a sobering thought um you know I am I'm very open to adoption I think there's lots of children um you know who need homes who who deserve them and uh you know I, I would I would happily adopt if that was the case um mm -hmm. i i don't i don't know what the future holds um mm -hmm. i I'm, I'm lucky that i have a, a a wonderful partner who i'm very much in love with and um for where we are in our life we're enjoying that and for whatever comes in the future that's that's fine um yeah. my mom my mom's very sort of like germanic efficient she's like so when are you freezing your eggs literally every time i see her now she'll set me down like five minutes in, haven't even like finished pouring the prosecco, and she's like, "So when are you freezing your eggs?" And it's like, <laughs> well, first off, it's a very fucking expensive process. It's like twenty grand that, funnily enough, I don't have, um, and yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't think you know, for for whoever wants to, that's absolutely fine. Sadly, it's not covered by the NHS, but um, mm -hmm. you know, and and even then, you know, when you do come round to using your eggs, because basically, unfortunately, uh, people with PCOS. And you have a very shorter ticking biological clock than than, than most people, yeah. uh, which which is you know like it uh, short enough these days, isn't it? Um, so there's also that. So you know, like the older you get, the, you know, the faultier your eggs will be, that sort of thing. Um, but it's obviously. The, mm -hmm. I'm not even. Oh no! Sorry, yet. on you go. No, I'm waffling. <laughs> not waffling at all. It's just it's obviously just quite. A, a, a delicate um, thing to have as a, a um, I wouldn't maybe say am I right in phrasing it as an illness? Is PCOS um, considered an illness? I'm not. I'm not entirely sure to be honest. Or is it um, more of a genetic I, condition? Yeah, I I think I'd refer to it as a condition. Uh, once right. again, like I'm I'm not I'm not too sure about the official okay. um, terms of it, yeah. but I think it's just. It's unfortunately one of these things that um, you know you get diagnosed with it, you get given the pill, and it's you know you can that that was it, you know that's all I really got. Um, 
there, there yeah. was very little education and you know some things on the internet you know you know like you read like web doctor you know you think oh, when you gosh, think yeah, you've yeah. got yeah you've got like a twitch in your elbow you read web doctor and you're gonna apparently implode in five seconds you know you yeah. can't really trust the internet so there's a lot of like hearsay and stuff um but i was i was really lucky um during lockdown i found this uh, polycystic ovary syndrome group and um there's this woman um, and she had she has polycystic ovary syndrome because you can never be cured of polycystic ovary syndrome. But what you can do is you can make healthy changes in your lifestyle and your diet to um, reduce uh, the the sort of um, uh, effects from it. So can I ask what's this page called? So if people listening have PCOS or they um, know someone that does, they can suggest it to them. So it's called. Um, I think. I think the term is called PCOS uh, fertility choices. Um, now it's not just focused on having a baby because no. obviously mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have to have babies or aren't in the right stage. But I think w- what it does is it it what she offers is education first of all uh, because there is so little about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she offers a thirty day free program and then she offers a. Uh, a paid 10-week program um you know that's her job that's her business you mm-hmm. know it, i think it's great what she offers and even from the 30 days which is free uh, you can learn enough to to take forward but it's looking at exercise which is you know right for polycystic ovary syndrome because unfortunately um certain uh, exercises uh, can aggravate uh, your polycystic ovary syndrome so there's that too unfortunately I can't do long distance running anymore which is something I really love but that actually aggravates it and makes you uh, put on weight it like it sort of like messes with it it's like a hormone dysregulation so ah, right. and, and I know I, that yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh no sorry on you go and I was just gonna say I know that you are very aware of your diet and that impact as well doesn't it Mm-hmm, completely and um, so that's what she teaches you and um, she teaches you uh, you know things that are really good um, for your polycystic ovary syndrome and things that can really exacerbate it uh, you know like the usual things booze bread pasta all the things that I love donuts mm-hmm. sugar um, <laughs> but I think I think I think what she what she does is um, with the education lessons there's also a lot of sort of like well-being and like mental health and stuff and I think it's this thing of we're not looking for perfection because mm-hmm. this isn't a diet. This is a lifestyle change. And we understand that there are going to be days where you're like, give me the donuts and that's fine. Yeah. It's just giving you the tools to, if you want to, um, adjusting your life in whichever way you see fit. And it's your choice. It's a bit so like, you can have control. It's a bit like having a cheat day. Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. everyone's allowed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I have my one day a week that I get absolutely pissed as a far. <laughs> but... It's knowing, yeah. it's knowing your limits and having a good routine in place. And I think I've went pescatarian recently, obviously, and I can feel the Ooh. difference. And I can feel the difference in me after I've stopped eating meat. I really can. It's weird. But after two weeks, I'm like, mentally, I can feel that I feel different. Physically, I feel different. So yeah. I get That's what amazing. you mean. Oh, no, I, I'm glad that yeah. I've done it, actually. Um, so I guess, I'm, I thank you so much for sharing those um, experiences and those lessons you've got with PCOS. Because... As, as I have no idea about it. Do you know what I mean? When I um, exchange conversations with you and you talk about it, I'm always like, give me more because to me, knowledge is power. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's why I thought putting on this podcast sort of a PCOS arc because I don't know if I've got anyone that menstruates listening who might think they might have it or 
um, are just maybe want to get a regular periods and want to just look at mm-hmm. their well-being. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I think just in our sort of um, jobs that we do, especially when it comes to sex-positive stuff, um, you know, speaking as an adult, because we're actually grown-up adults now, <sighs> and in light of the students all coming, despite the pandemic, to um, university mm-hmm. and colleges, what kind of um, advice could you give them uh, with the way the pandemic is and going, you know, pursuing acting, music, art, and, you know, producing events and business? What kind of advice could you give to them if they were listening to this? Because I have got a student following now. Oh, that's really exciting. Um, I guess, um, obviously, it is bleak, but, you know, uh, hope springs eternal. And I think, you know, people... We, we look to the arts for um, entertainment, escapism, um, you know, reflections, you know, seeing ourselves, um, you know, connecting on an emotional and mental level. There's something so beautiful about the arts. And while our government obviously doesn't value it, well, that's our government and we just need to make sure that we vote them out. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we can turn this around and there will always, always be a need for the arts and for the importance of the arts. So do do what you set out to do and don't take no for an answer. It will be harder. But the, the thing about uh, the internet, you know, um, despite all its um, negative sides, um, there's so much on offer. And, and we see that as the creative industry has adapted to going online, you know, um, yourself uh, with all the like House of Liability Zooms that... Um, which was absolutely wonderful last Friday. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out because it was sensational. Thank but, you. You know, we we adapt, we overcome, we improvise. That's that's our skill. We are so multi-talented in more ways than we put on our CV. And you will be able to do it. There's many resources. Uh, there's courses that you can do online. Uh, funding applications. Um, you you will be able to find something. It might not be in the route that you expected it to be, and it might be a lot harder than you expected it to be. But if if you want to do it, you you can achieve it. I, I fully believe in that. And also, if you want to do something that you know you maybe didn't think you were going to do, that's also okay. I think experimentation is a wonderful, playful aspect of life because that's what we're doing. Creative arts, aren't we? We're we're playing. We're we're taking on that 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 childlike quality that you know like when you play uh, when you're a kid and you're like oh imagine this and then imagine that that's that's what we get to do we get to play for the rest of our lives and and how wonderful is that how enriching is that you know that, I love this job you know I think I remember actually like one of the first lessons I did was the role of play and mm. it is a foundation in any arts related job to just experiment and explore and find the fun in what we do as a craft, definitely. Um, let, before we finish, um, obviously this mm. is a longer episode because I wanted to talk as well as all the arts about PCOS and just that sort of um, stuff that people might not be familiar with. So thank you for offering more time than I would normally be allocating. That's really great of you. Um, you obviously spoke earlier at the beginning about your recent new um, commission job mm. as an editor. Could you give... These are sort of the current projects you've got going now. Could you um, give a wee shout out and let people know where they can find it and what you're doing with that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm over the moon to say that I'm now an editor of uh, the Sex Plus Zine, which is a wonderful sex positive magazine. Um, I had the pleasure of working with them and they were the company that did the sex positive speed dating that um, Jordan and I um 
have ran and will run again in the future. Um, so if you type in sex plus zine.com, it will come up online. Um, we are getting our Instagram uh, going again. Um, unfortunately, um, they got uh, their account deleted when they had uh, over 50k followers, which is devastating and it was it was so wonderful like the, the stuff that they were putting out so we're going to start building that up again and um, mm-hmm. but give us give us a follow and um you're going to start seeing some articles um by uh maybe some um podcasters that you may know <laughs> of which i'm very very excited for and um, you know there's going to be a lovely range of articles all things sex positive and also if you have an idea for a sex uh, positive article and you would like to submit it, um, you can email us at sexbusscene at gmail.com and uh, we will uh, get back to you and uh, give you a couple of like, briefs and stuff. But um, we are always happy to take submissions. Um, it's always lovely to hear from new people. Uh, so yeah, just send your stories in. <laughs> that is honestly great. And you know what, like after, Knowing you outside of this podcast realm and world, like knowing this, like I was really happy to read that on Twitter that you got that. It was what you deserve, but also I think something that just we need are things like these little moments that they're not even little, but they're, you know, a small in our whole whole everyday life, Monday to Sunday, really? nine to five, <laughs> and after hours because you're a workaholic like me. But mm-hmm. um, before we finish this podcast episode, which has been amazing, um, I would like to um, give you the floor to talk about your infamous quote that every episode, I'm like, bring a quote that reflects you, what you feel about the world, what you think is going on at the moment, anything. And I would like you to now share yours with me if that would be all right with you. Um, so mine is from uh, the wonderful Africa Brooke, um, who is a life coach and also a sex positive speaker. Um, she has a, a podcast herself. Uh, which is called Beyond the Self. And um, I was listening to her um, episode um, a couple of days before and um, she was talking about um, imposter syndrome and how we overcome it. And I see you be eyes like, what? Wow. Um, but, but, you know, the, the steps and also like positive reinforcement of, you know, when you get those negative thoughts, just if you have the mental capacity to, because, you know, she takes into account of uh, mental well-being and mental health. She says, if you have the capacity to, just chuck it away. Uh, but the quote that I would like to bring forth from Africa Brook is, uh, there is no such thing as failure, just experimentation. And wow. I love that. I love that because, you know, I think uh, we can be extremely hard on ourselves, but, you know, I don't, even though I am my own worst self-critic, as Jordi has obviously and rightly pointed out, um, I am trying to be kinder to myself. And I think that quote, especially um, in these difficult times, you know, if something doesn't work out, that's okay. Uh, just try something else. Um, and that's that's the joy of our jobs. Thank you. From one drama shouldn't love to another, <laughs> lots of love to you, my set positive love facilitator. Brilliant end to a brilliant episode. Thanks, Excellent. Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shorty. Absolute pleasure. I honestly really enjoyed listening back to this. Um, as you could hear, I don't know much about polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, I'm going to after this episode is put on the podcast, go and do my own research for my friends that menstruate, so that I can give things I've read, and you know, take what Katrina's talked about. Um, 
and use that to kind of utilise resources for other friends who might come to me who wouldn't know Katrina. But equally, I know that I could go to Katrina and say to her, hiya, I need to give advice to my friend about this. Um, And I think that's why this episode has been a special episode. Please do follow Catriona Kalkini. I will get that right one day on Instagram, Twitter, and keep up to date with their website at catrionacalkini.com. Their work is exceptional. They are truly a fire and energy in this life that I love to be involved with in anything I do, whether that's personal or professional. I'll always treasure that me and Kat bonded over food and will continue to send each other interesting recipes. I'm now about to go have salmon for lunch, which is one of mine and Kat's favourite things to eat. Um, And I honestly, all I can say is that I take away from mine and Kat's friendship is the confidence to be myself. One thing Kat has always taught me in searching for the love for myself that I've needed to find the last six months when I talked about writing that show about 12 lovers, which I one day will return to, but not right now, was that I struggled to love myself. And Kat could see that. And Kat had always said to me, whatever you do, Jordy, don't settle. You don't need to settle. And I finally am at a point in my life that I see what she meant. And her friendship was a catalyst in that realisation. Whoa, that got heavy. (laughs) I'm feeling very reflective this week. So thank you so much for joining in Afternoon Delight. Um, Please do follow Catriona Kalkini's social medias that I mentioned earlier. I'm looking forward to bringing DJ and queer artist Wet Ass Lucy, also known sometimes as Lucy Jane, on Friday discussing club nights, club kids, club culture, basically how me and her sesh every Friday. (laughs) Until then, stay safe and remember to breathe. Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, local podcasts.